Here, boy. All right, well, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's open our Sunday school lesson with a word of prayer real quick. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you this morning, Lord, just to once again thank you for allowing us to be here in your house to hear your words, Lord. And I ask you, Lord, that you take these words, Lord, and you get them in our hearts and our minds and we be not distracted or, or Lord, just thinking of other things, Lord, that we're able to just focus on your word, Lord, and, and just... Just open our hearts today, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right. So we've been talking about these attributes of God. And, and this is a God that, that we say is our God and our Savior. And, and that we're supposed to, supposed to be following, right? And, and so we started thinking about who is this God and what is He? And we've been going through these attributes of, of Him. And today we're going to continue going through. We started last week talking about how God is gracious. And that's what we're going to talk about again today. We're going to, because we didn't finish, because Mama rushes everybody. So we're going to talk about it again today and, and continue learning about how gracious God truly is. And when you get deep into it, um, you see, He is pretty gracious, especially for us, because uh, we're pretty disobedient. Let's start off, let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verses 9 and 10. And if you don't have a, a, a worksheet, that's mama's problem. She needs to take care of it. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. <clears throat> the Bible says, Not of works, lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay, we're talking about God that created us, right? And it's talking about his workmanship, right? We were created to do his work. We weren't created just because he was just going to create us and sit us on this earth. We are created for a purpose, and that purpose is God's purpose, not our purpose. But by grace, because God gives us grace, we are created. We were born on this earth. And, and through this same grace, we receive salvation. And it says right there, not of works, lest any man should boast. You can't boast about anything because God gives you everything. And that's, that you get everything through his grace. And let's go to Philippians chapter 2. This one goes along with this verse. Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> come on, I'm getting there, maybe, there it is, Philippians chapter 2, in verses 12 and 13, let's look at these, the Bible says, <clears throat> excuse me, wherefore my beloved is, as ye, ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Okay. Well, we're, we're talking about um, 
not to work for your not to work for your salvation. And, you know, it's not you're working out your salvation. Your salvation is a free gift of God through His grace, right? But that means that you realize that the salvation that is offered to you is offered to you by the grace of God. Okay, and it's not only that salvation is given by the grace of God, but also sanctification is given by the grace of God. Okay, and and you you need to to. You need to do God's will, right? That's what he wants you to do. And after you're you're created through grace, right? He creates you and you become an individual uh, little zygote in there in your mother's womb. And you have a, a particular DNA. And this is amazing. This is how God is so amazing. Every person that was ever created and every person that ever will be created has a singular, completely different DNA from everybody else. No DNA has ever been the same. Even identical twins don't have that identical DNA. Okay? So you are an individual created through God's grace. And you're allowed to be born. Okay? And then you're allowed to grow up. And every breath you take is by God's grace. And then God offers you salvation. Why? Through His grace. That's His grace. He's given you grace. And then once you become saved... It's through His grace that He expects you and wants you and calls you to do what He tells you to do. He doesn't save you and then say, you, okay, you got free will, do what you want. No. You have been bought with a price, and that price was Christ dying on a cross. Now you need to do what, what God wants you to do. And it's just, God, He, he graciously sustains our physical life, right? And we know that. But he also graciously sustained your spiritual life. Because that's what salvation, salvation is not a physical birth. It's a spiritual birth. And, and once you, you do that, you should have the ability and the desire to do the right thing after you're saved by God's grace. Okay? And let's look at 1 Corinthians <clears throat> chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And let's look at verse 10. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. The Bible says, But by the grace of God, okay? So everything we hear after this is about grace, uh, because of the grace of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, that means given to you, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. It's a big verse. There's a lot in there. But by God's grace, we're able to labor for what? For God. We're able to labor for the gospel and spread the word of God. And that's, that's what we're seeing here. That's what he's talking about. He says, by God's grace... By God's grace, and it shouldn't be in vain, by God's grace, he was allowed to labor more abundantly for God's glory, not for our glory. Okay? <clears throat> and let's look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. <clears throat> Titus chapter 2 and verses 11 and 12. Titus chapter 2, excuse me, verses 11 and 12 says, 
The Bible says, for the grace of God, there you go. There's that grace of God again, right? For the grace of God that did what? That bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men. We could stop right there if we wanted to. But the grace of God brings salvation to all men. And that's not men biological. That's men in whole, male and female. Okay. So by the grace of God, you've, you've been given birth. You were created, you're given birth, and by the grace of God, you are given salvation, right? But let's read on. It says, verse 12 says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Because of God's grace, in this present world means this present age that we live in. And this age we know is evil. This world is evil. This is Satan's domain, okay? And if you just look around you, you can see he has got a lot of things going on, right? But by grace, God teaches us to stay away from this ungodliness and to stay away from worldly lusts, right? He tells us that by God's grace, we should live uprightly. We should live godly lives in this present evil world. And why is that? Is it so we can just look better than everybody else? No, it's so by the grace of God, you can live differently. You will appear differently because you are different than this world. Then you're able to tell people and when they come to you and go, you're different. You're right. Let me tell you why. It's all by the grace of God, right? God offers that grace. Uh, that, I mean, sorry, God's grace offers salvation to everyone. But how are they going to hear it if somebody doesn't go tell them? And this world will die in their own sins. Okay? Somebody had to come tell you about God. You know, you weren't born with a KJV Bible in your, in your uh, bassinet there, were you? No. But, you know, even we sing our songs about the grace of God. And, and of course, amazing grace. Let's look at the words of this song, amazing grace. It says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We're talking about God's grace, right? And it is a very sweet sound. It, and here, this is all about God's grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. That's true. Of course, when we're singing and I'm next to my wife there, I always go, that saved a wretch like you. And, you know, she hits me and, you know. And then it says, I once was lost, but now I'm found. By what? By the grace of God. I was blind, but now I see. How? By the grace of God. Right? Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. And does that mean you're scared of God? No. That means the grace of God taught you to respect God. Okay? And, and grace, my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. That's so true. Through many dangers, toils, and snares... I have already come. And think about your life from birth till salvation. How much did you go through? A lot, right? You got a lot coming though. And it says, "'Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far. So grace brings you from birth to salvation. But then guess what? That same grace will take you home, right? Because it says, "'And grace will lead me home.'" That song right there, that's God's amazing grace for us. That song is so true. You know, and I, I have no doubt that I, don't, I should have looked it up. But the person that wrote Amazing Grace, I guarantee you God gave them those words. 
okay? Because we're too feeble to come up with good stuff like that. Um, so let's look at Ephesians chapter 3 again, verses 7 and 8. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Oh, come on. Getting in the right chapter. There we go. The Bible says, Whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Okay? Unto me, <clears throat> excuse me, unto me who am less than the least of all saints... Is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ? Okay, keep that in mind. And let's look at Romans. Let's look at Romans chapter 15 because these, these go together. This is, and, and Paul's teaching us something here and we need to listen to him. Romans 15 and verses 15 and 16. Here he goes again. He says, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. So if God did not save Paul by his grace and then by God's grace sent Paul out to preach to the Gentiles, where would we be today? There might be very few Gentile churches, right? But we see that here was Paul. He's talking about, you know, the, the, in Romans right there, he's talking about the foundation of the church. The church at Rome was founded by people that Paul converted, and how did Paul convert them? By his work? No, by God's work. And that's what Paul's telling us. By God's grace am I able to go out and preach. And preach more abundantly, right? We see that Paul understood that his service to God was only because of God's grace. It wasn't about works that Paul did. It was about God's grace. And Paul understood that. And that's what he's saying. He said, my ministry is only because of God's grace. He became a servant of the gospel of God's grace. And this grace is what kept Paul going, kept giving him the power and the words to speak. Okay. It's because God's grace was filled in Paul. It gave him the strength to go. It gave him the desire to go. It gave him the words to say when he got there. And, and God led through his grace, led Paul everywhere he wanted him to go. It was nothing that Paul did. Nothing. Paul got saved. He got put on his face on the dirt road and brought to, to salvation by God's grace. And then God, Paul understood, this is the almighty God. And he gave his life to Christ. And he gave his whole life because what did he do the rest of his life? No matter whether he was beaten or chased or thrown in prison or killed, it didn't matter. Everything he did was through the grace of God. And you see through his ministry everywhere he went, man, he was preaching. It didn't matter. He was preaching. He was preaching because he understood that. He understood the power of God's grace. And he understood what happens if you refuse God's grace. He realized that. 
It's very scary, you know. And let's go to Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. Philippians 1, and let's just read verse 29 here. It says, For unto you it is given in, in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. So here we see Paul, he's telling us what? He's saying, Paul viewed all this suffering that he went through in his life. He said, that's because of Christ. And he said, it is a privilege to suffer for Christ. That's kind of odd, isn't it? We would never think, man, it's a privilege to be punched in the face, right? No, but Paul says, because of God's grace, I was saved. Because of God's grace, I'm able to go minister and do God's work. Now, when I suffer, it's all because of the glory of God. It's all because of God's grace. And through God's grace, Christians get the privilege to what? To, to, of believing in a holy God. We, that's a privilege. And through Christ, we suffer for him. And, and it even says, Jesus says, uh, I'm going to paraphrase here, but he's, Jesus said, hey, because of me, the world's going to persecute you. And if you look at it, you look at the world today and you look at every religion that has somebody they call a God or a, a major prophet. There's only one that this world persecutes. That's Christ. You look at Muhammad, you look at Buddha, you look at any of these other gods, they'll, the world will be, oh, reverence them. Oh, don't say anything bad about Muhammad because you may offend the Muslims. But boy, we can tear Jesus down, can't we? Why is that? Because he's the only one that's true. He's the only real one, right? The rest are good value, you know, great value, whatever Walmart's brand is. You know, God's tied, but they're the great value. Okay, he's the real thing. And that's why they tear him down. And it says, the Bible says, you're going to be persecuted for me. Okay, Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. But Paul looked at all that suffering, everything he went through as, you know, worthiness. It, it, it's all because of his, he just said, okay, I accept it. Bring it on. Let's look at this. Acts chapter 5, verses 40 and 41. <clears throat> the Bible says, <clears throat> And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles, okay, who were the apostles? The apostles were the people that actually got to see Jesus Christ face to face, hear his teachings, and then Christ gave them the mission to go out and preach, okay? So, it says, and they called the apostles and beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed. So, here we go. We have Christians. They've been saved by grace, right? Now they're preaching the gospel by grace. The world, what does it do? It pulls these apostles in and the world does what to them? They beat them and they tell them, don't you preach anymore. Okay. And they probably didn't, you know, beat them with like soft things. Probably beat them pretty good. Right. And why are they beating them? And why, why, why are they doing this to them? For Jesus Christ. You know, they beat them because they were preaching Jesus Christ. But let's look at this next verse. Look at this. It says, and here we go. And they departed from the presence of the council. So they just got beat up. 
And they just got warned never to do it again. And the minute they walk out the door, what do they do? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. For whose name? Jesus Christ's name. The apostles were physically beaten. They were threatened. It didn't say what they were threatened with, but probably death. Or at least being beat again, you know. But because of God's grace, they left that council and they were rejoicing. And what did they do? Immediately they started preaching again. Wow. Wow. Okay. What would you do in that situation? What if there comes a time when they come in here and they, they, they put a big board on that door and they lock it up. And they say, you Christians can't meet anymore. And they take Brother Larry and they, they beat him with a stick and tell him, quit preaching. Are you going to go, ooh, I don't want to be physically beaten again. You know, are you going to, by God's grace, go, well, suffering for God. Here we go. Tear that board off the door and we're going to open up. In fact, we'll send them invitations to come to church. Tell them they need to get saved. That's what Jesus would do, right? No, you're doing it for God's grace because he gives you that. Okay. Um, so let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. I mean, I can just imagine the, the apostles, you know, and the, the real men of God being beaten. And when they're, you know, finished beating them, you just look up and go, are you done? God still loves you. Ah, oh, beat him again. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Then we're going to read 7 through 9. The Bible says, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. Okay, that buffet means to beat me. Okay, lest I should be exalted above measure for the thing, <clears throat> excuse me, for the thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made, is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will I rather glory in the infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Some pretty powerful verses, but let's, let's look at this. It says, you know, we do suffer, right? And it's God's grace that sustains us when we're suffering. And no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you might be going through today, God's grace is more than enough to get you through it. That's what it says right there. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength. Do you get that? It's God's grace and it's God's strength, not ours. Because we will fail every time. We will falter and collapse and run away, right? And that's what people do when times get rough. They run away, right? And it says right there, here we see he's, he's talking, Paul's talking about this thorn in his flesh, right? So whatever it was, we don't know what it was, but whatever it was, that thorn in his flesh, whether it be a temptation or a physical ailment or whatever, it says Satan used that thorn. And what did Satan do? He stuck it in there and he twisted and he twisted and he twisted. Why? Because he was trying to tear Paul down. Because what was Paul doing? Paul was preaching. And Satan's twisting. And Paul's preaching and Satan's twisting. And Paul even said three times, I've begged God just to take this away. And God said, no, my strength is enough to help you. Even though Satan's twisting, he's stabbing and he's twisting. Paul, my strength is enough. My grace will sustain you. Keep going. Keep going. And I can really relate to this. Um, 
This is tough. Because I had a time where I failed. And I quit church. And I didn't know what to do. You know? But God's grace was still there. <clears throat> and he got me up. And Satan was on my back. Satan had been on my back since the day I, I accepted Christ. And he was on me. And he was just, you know, I don't think it was a thorn. I think he had a shotgun in my back. But he tore me down to the point that I failed. And when he saw he wasn't getting to me, he got to the people around me. He got to those that I love. And he used them to bring me to where I gave up. I failed. Christ did not fail. I failed. But because of God's grace, I was able to get up. And God forgave me. And here's the, here's the caveat to that. Once you go through that and you fail and you get up again, guess what? You're stronger. If you keep your eyes on Christ, you will be stronger, but not because of your strength, because of his strength. And you know what? Guess what? You get to stick it in old smutty face, old smutty face's face, right? Because you're stronger now. Because now you've went through this and maybe there's a lot of damage that happened because of your actions and your failures. But yet God has used you to pull you back up. And he says, get up. And what does Ephesians say? It says to stand. He doesn't say you have to walk, you have to fight. Just stand there. Be strong. So now you're, you, I've went through this failure and I feel stronger every day. Every time I do my Bible lessons, every time I read my Bible, and every time I pray, I feel like I'm getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. But I need to remember one thing. There's still that thorn. And Satan's going to twist it. But the Bible says that Satan will leave us for a season. And we need to realize that. That means he's coming back. He's coming back. He's going to still attack me. And he does. I see him now. You know, you need to see him coming. So when he's driving an 18 wheeler at you, you just stand there. You know, it's going to hurt, but you have God's strength. And he's not coming back with a shotgun this time. I think he's coming back with a tank. Okay. But I have to be ready. And how do you get ready? Pray, read, study, come to church. You work hard. You know, draw close to your wife. I saw a thing the other day and I, I actually shared it with her. It says that a husband and wife, and it was like a triangle. God's up here and a husband and wife are here. It says as a husband and wife draw closer together, as they're drawing closer to God, guess what they do? As they crawl closer together, I mean closer to God, they get closer to each other. Okay, she has to be my strength. She's my help meet. Doesn't say help mate. That means you're just, you know, you're there for to cook and clean and, and, and sleep in bed with me. No. I help meet. To meet my needs as a man. And that's what we need. Um, so this this is pretty strong verse. It's pretty strong. Because Satan's after you guys. But it, through the grace of God, you can survive and you, you can overcome and you can be stronger. Okay? Stronger than you ever have before because Satan's coming back. That season's coming, you know. He's not everywhere, but he's coming. You know, he's going to try again. He's going to wait till maybe my mind's off God for a minute or, or I have a weak moment. And that's when he's going to be like, I get him. Now I'm going to stab him. That thorn's back, right? That's exactly what we're talking about here. So we do suffer, but it's God's grace which sustains us. And no matter what we're going through, his strength is enough to get us through. Okay. Let's look at Proverbs 3.34. I got off way off base on that one, I think. 
but it's true. I, I feel very strongly about that because I've I've been there. You know, you can't you can't understand how bad it is till you've been there. You know, <clears throat> Proverbs three thirty four. <clears throat> the Bible says, "Surely he scorneth the scorners, right? But he giveth grace." There we go. He giveth grace to the lowly. He giveth grace to what? The humble. Right? So if you're proud, you're not, you're, God's grace is not with you because you're too proud because you think you can do it on your own. You can't. You need God. God gives his grace to those who are afflicted and humble. Okay? So what are some implications of God's grace? Well, because God is gracious, we should be gracious, right? Christians are expected to display display God's attributes, right? God's in you. He gave you the Holy Spirit. So you're supposed to show those attributes to the world. How are you going to show you're different if you can't, if you look just like the world, right? Christians are different. Christians are a peculiar people. You're supposed to be, right? And, and Christians are expected to display this, this attributes of God, of his goodness and his graciousness because God gave you that grace, so you have to give that grace to others. So let's look at that. Let's look at Romans 5.10. I'm sorry. Romans, yeah, Romans 5.10. Romans chapter 5, verse 10. The Bible says, For if when we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Amen, right? Amen. So before salvation, what were you? You were an enemy of God. 100%, without a doubt, you were an enemy. You were against him. You were in full rebellion against God. But through his grace, you were saved. You were saved, right? And, and, and by, by his death, how, how do we get saved? By the death of his son. He sent his only begotten son. And I know people say, oh, that's just what the Bible says. Well, there, if you don't believe the Bible, you're already, uh, you know, too dumb to believe anything. So you're, you're pretty stupid. But so by the death of his son, his only son, you were saved. You were saved. So, would you, those that are parents, would you let one of your children die to save a complete stranger? If they said, hey, there's somebody on the other side of the world that's going to die, but that person can live if you let, uh, let us kill your child. That's what God went through. He did. And he said, yes. He said, yes, that's grace. That is supreme grace, right? So let's look at Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And let's look at 43 to 48. The Bible says, and this is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 
that ye may be the children of your father which is in heaven. For he maketh his, his son to rise, upon, rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? If ye salute your brethren only, what do you more than the others? That, that do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. There's a lot to break down in this verse, but basically it's because God has given grace to us. We should be gracious, gracious to others, even our enemies. Even our enemies. And it's talking about love, right? Love, love is a necessary proof of salvation. If you tell me you're saved, yet you don't display love, you're a liar. Because God saved you because of love. And then when you're saved, you're filled with his love. So if you don't display love towards others, even people that are your enemies, there's no way you're saved. There is no way. You know, how, how did Paul go into these nations and preach and get beaten? Out of love. He loved them because he knew what was going to happen if they didn't hear the word of God. Love, right? And, and, and it talks about being perfect. Well, perfect doesn't mean sinless. We're all going to sin. Okay? But it means that you're complete because of God's love. Because of that love God gave you, you become complete. So now that you're complete in God's love, you have the ability to love. And because you have the ability to love like God, you love those who don't love you. Okay? And if you show them this love, then you will have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And guess what? Then they have the opportunity to get saved. And then guess what happens then? Then they have God's love through his grace. And then they're able to go out and love others. That's the way it works. Okay? I mean, it started with one son of God dying on a cross. One man on a cross. Just like sin started with one man. Of course, his wife helped him. <laughs> but one man's sin came into the world. One man paid for all that sin. So it takes one person to tell somebody else about Christ. Right? So 1 Corinthians 4, 7. I do love that story about Adam and Eve. It's, it's almost uh, like God's got a sense of humor. You know, the woman... And when God confronted her, she's like, oh, that serpent did it. When he come to the man, what did he do? Oh, oh, she told me. What do we do as humans? You know, same thing, exact same thing. It's quite funny. First Corinthians 4, 7. First Corinthians 4, 7. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory? And if thou has not received it. Okay? We're talking about God's glory, right? Because God is gracious, we should be humble. There is nothing that we have done, nothing that we have done, that we are doing, or that we ever will do that can earn God's grace. And we need to understand that. It's not a work to get God's grace. It's freely given. Okay? It is grace, by the grace of God that we're saved, but it's by the grace of God that we are what we are. 
right? We got to remember that. Let's remember we read back in 1 Corinthians 15:10. We talked about that. I am what I am by grace is God, by the God, by the grace of God. Okay? Paul was what he was because of the grace of God. You know, before he was Paul, when he was Saul, he was very religious, right? He was religious to the point that he was he was kicking doors in and taking Christians and throwing them in prison and getting them killed, right? But God used that. He trained Paul. He said, okay, you've got that much zeal. So now I'm going to get you saved and you're going to have that same zeal, but you're going to have it for me now. And he used Paul, right? He made him what he was. Because God is gracious, we should be what? Grateful. We should be thankful. Are you thankful for your salvation? What's the opposite of that? It's not good, right? Let's look at Exodus 33, 19. Go back to the Old Testament. Exodus 33:19. The Bible says, And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Okay? God is not obligated to show grace to anyone. And we need to understand that. There's no contract. There's nothing binding God saying, well, God, you created us, so you have to show us grace. No, he shows us grace because he loves us. Plain and simple. Let's look at Romans eleven six. Before mama starts telling me it's time. Too bad. Romans eleven six. We're getting there. We got a couple more verses. We may not finish. Romans eleven six. If by grace, then it is no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Okay, so if God was if God was obligated to show us grace, it wouldn't be grace. It would be works. Right. Um, Second Corinthians nine, 14. Let's look at that one. Second Corinthians nine, 14. Second Corinthians nine, 14. The Bible says, and by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you, in you. Okay. Um, oh, let's read 15 too. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. And what are we talking about? We're talking about grace and gratitude, being thankful for that grace that God gave you. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Hmm. Ooh, it's 3 through 14. Okay. Um. Hmm. going to read it. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will 
to pray to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us acceptable in, in the beloved, <clears throat> in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made us known made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after ye that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Okay, a lot of verses, but because God is gracious, we should praise him, right? Here we see praise for what? For the salvation that God gives us, okay? Are you thankful for the salvation that God offered to you? Okay, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. Look at, look at that verse one more time. It says, In whom we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the what? Riches of his grace. The riches. So God's grace is rich, right? How valuable is your salvation? Okay. Well, God's grace gave you that salvation. Ephesians 2, 7. Look at this one. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding Exceeding riches of what? His grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. So his exceeding, God's grace exceeds all riches. It exceeds every piece of riches that you could have on this earth, right? God's grace is salvation. That salvation we're unable to put a value on. Okay? That's God's grace. Let's look at. Uh, let's go to Romans real quick. Romans 5. Romans 5.17. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which were receive abundance of grace and of the gift of the righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Romans 5.20, drop down a couple verses. Moreover, the law entered that, he, that the offense, that's our sin, might abound, but, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. God's grace is much more than our sin, and that's a good thing for us. Because if our sin was more than God's grace, you wouldn't be saved, right? 1 Corinthians 15.10. First Corinthians fifteen ten, 
But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. It's Paul talking again, right? But we're seeing right here, because God is gracious, we should be motivated to serve him more fervently. That should be our goal. One more verse, Ephesians 2.10. Ephesians 2.10. The Bible says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Okay? Because of God's grace you were born. Because of God's grace you receive salvation. Now because of God's grace, once you're sa saved, you should be doing his work. Okay? That's God's grace. And we just need to think about that. When you sing that song, Amazing Grace, really think about what he did for you. You know, think about what all he's been with you for, through. All the times of your life, all the problems, all the downfalls, all the failures. He's still there. He's the one that will never, ever, ever leave you. Okay? Your friends may run, your family may be and abandon you. You know? But he never will. That's God's grace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you today, Lord, just to thank you for this moment to, to open your word, to, to learn about your grace, Lord. And just let us not take it for granted, Lord. Let us be thankful for this grace that you've given us, Lord. To, the, the grace to be born, the grace to receive salvation, Lord. And then the grace to have your strength to help us go through those, those tough times, Lord. Let us just... Let us just strengthen ourselves on your grace and, and Lord, just draw closer to you, Lord, because we know that, that Satan's coming back, Lord, in a season. He'll be back and he'll be trying to tear us down again, Lord. Just help us call on you today, Lord, just to, to fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.